the World Talk Radio Network. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. And today we're going to talk about overpowering fear. And I think most of us know exactly what that means. So you want to, you want to pay attention today. This week on the Self-Improvement blog, we've had a number of articles about fear. You can also see our guest's picture and bio there and the, re- the review I wrote of his book, overpowering fear um, take a look while we're getting ramped up here the blog is at the selfimprovementblog.com now i don't really need to tell you what fear is we all know what it is it's an everyday emotion actually for many people and it holds them back from doing what they want to do in small ways and sometimes huge ways for instance, you know, we talk a lot about, I, I'm not going to ask her for a date because she might say no. Or, you know, I really like him, but I'm afraid, you know, he wouldn't like me back. Uh, or you, you don't contact the big client, the one that could put your company in the black because you're afraid they might say no too. Uh, you don't speak up at a meeting or in class because you're afraid somebody might laugh at your answer even though it's probably a cutting-edge answer. You want to learn to do something new and fun and exciting like skydive or climb a mountain or ice skate, but fear overcomes you. You want to try your hand in acting. You're kind of the family clown, but fear makes your throat go dry and your mind go blank. And I could go on and on about the way it shows up in our lives in little ways and big ways, but I'm not going to do that. According to Google, 2,740,000 people search the word fear every month. In a year, that's almost 33 million people who are seeking answers as to why their life is filled with fear, why they can't get beyond it. With 40 years plus as a salesperson, marketing pioneer, entrepreneur, and sales trainer, our guest today, Michael Luckman, is now a successful and dynamic speaker, trainer, and coach. And you know what? One of the biggest fears people have, uh, even more than the fear of death, is the fear of public speaking. So coming from somebody who was held back by fear, that's a pretty good testimony. Michael Luckman is now a successful and dynamic speaker, trainer, and coach. In his book, Overpowering Fear, he opens up his life and the lessons learned to help his readers uncover their own fear blocks and overpower them 
so they can enjoy lives filled with confidence, success, and abundance. And isn't that what we want? In working with thousands of salespeople, Michael came to the conclusion that those who reach the top in sales are those who learn to overpower their fears and do whatever was necessary to gain the business. It says, you know, it's for salespeople and actually for everyone on the front of the cover. And let me tell you, you don't need to be a salesperson to get a lot out of this book. If fear ever has held you back, you want to pay attention to what Michael Luckman has to say today. Michael, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Well, thank you, Irene. It is a, a real pleasure to be with you and your listeners. And I hope that in the hour we have today, uh, we can uh, touch upon a lot of those fears and come up with some ways, give your listeners ways to overpower what's holding them back. Well, if you if you can't, I don't know of anybody who can. Your book is absolutely fabulous. I loved it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I have some fears too, I guess, because I really could identify with a lot of things you said in that book. Tell us just a little bit about yourself and your company. You know, who is Michael Luckman, so our listeners have some idea of who you are. Okay. Uh, well, Michael Luckman is a fear-based person, or was a fear-based person. <laughs> okay. Okay. we got to get that out in the open, because why would somebody... And I've had a very successful life. I, I'm, I'm 67 years old. I joke with my mom that we finally have something in common. We're both on Medicare. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, but I was born into fear, and, and literally, because uh, I was born, you know, I'm like one of the first of the baby boomers, and at that time, the hospitals were very crowded, and when my mother went in, they didn't think she was ready to deliver, so they put her on a gurney, and they left her in the hallway, and nobody was around, and I was born on that gurney. So I'm sure, still having the umbilical cord attached, that I felt the adrenaline and all the fear my mother was going through. And, you know, my life has been a fear-based life. Now, that said, that didn't, for I don't know what reason, didn't stop me. I, I faced my fears. I didn't overcome them, but I was able to overpower them. Now, I would love to be able to tell you and your listeners that I faced every fear in my life and I overpowered it, and that would be a lie, because there were many, many, many times that I faced fear and I let fear win, because I could not overpower it. It could have been like some of the things you said in your introduction. You know, it could have been a, the cheerleader that I wanted to go out with. And I just felt that, you know, I, my mind would race when I wanted to walk up to her and introduce myself to her. I figured I, I probably would stutter. I wouldn't know what to say. I would probably trip as I walked up and approached her, you know. Or if it was at a dance and I approached her and she turned me down, I would have to walk all the way back to the boys' side of the gymnasium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, fearing that every eye was on me and everybody saying, oh, Lockman, what a loser. You know, and, and so, and, and, and fear in, 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 in the business world. Now, thank God, uh, I was very successful 
in my career, looking back over my career. And I did, you know, I was mostly in the toy industry and I worked for some wonderful companies and I was with major consultants. I brought the first electronic toy to market at National Semiconductor. I developed the cartridge video system, the electronic keyboard. Uh, even if people have seen buses that are covered with advertising, I and two partners developed the product that goes over the windows. That allows see, the that's what's so interesting up. about your book is you were so cutting edge, and you you know you just went right out there to develop it and sell it. And I'm thinking, where's the fear here? But there yeah, really believe me, believe me, there was <laughs> plenty of fear. <laughs> yeah, you I wish talk about. I could look back and say, my God, I was so <laughs> confident, but I was not. I no, was not. and sometimes your behavior. Resulted in doing, I mean, and and pushing people away, and you know, basically, you know, not going where you wanted to go with it. Your book, your book, I think, is very courageous because you were so open. You know, you were so transparent. I'm thinking, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. In fact, in the book review, I talked about how you're an expert in fear. Uh, which is true, and we want to read books by an expert. Some of some of the moments you talk about are wonderful. Some of them are des- devastating. You know, oh, absolutely! <laughs> what was the most profound lesson you learned about success from some of your own fears, and you know how they played out? Well, you know, there was uh, the thing about fear is. Well, let, let me give you a quote. Okay, this is one of my favorite authors. I love this man. It's Mark Twain, oh, and Mark, Mark Twain said, "I am an old man and have known a great many troubles, but most of them never happens." I love that quote. Most really, of and, them it, never and it's happen. true. The things we fear. Better than 90% of the things we fear, and of course worry is, is a cousin of fear, you know, they're related, they're good buddies. And when we fear something, we worry, especially if it's something in the future. And, and the thing is, 90 some, they say as high as 97%, I was conservative, I said 90%, of the things that we think about and we worry about, never Never happen. And, and, and when we think of all the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks we spend worrying about something, and, and worry is fear. I mean, you think, let's say, you know, you were absolutely right on the quote you said earlier about more people fear public speaking than death. And to that, I always say, it has some good news out of it. There's something good out of that. You don't have to give the eulogy at your own funeral. And I, I love that <laughs> quote. You know, when I first started doing public speaking, I wasn't as afraid of the speaking as I was about tripping on the way up. Exactly. You know, oh, yes. But, but <laughs> I did worry about that. And, and I had thinking, to laugh oh my when God, you, you said that. Now, what's the secret to making the most of the opportunities and challenges that present themselves sometimes? I mean, we can grab a hold of them or we can stay back in fear. What's the secret? Okay. The secret is, if you could call it a secret, is that fear is not real. Okay? It is not real. We were blessed 
with a magnificent gift from, you can call it God or Mother Nature, and that is the gift of fear. And let me tell you why. The gift of, we, if our ancestors, all of us, if our ancestors did not have that built-in warning system of fear, we would probably not be here today because some neighboring tribe might kill them off, some wild beast, you know, they might have been stomped by a woolly mammoth, I mean, or a saber-toothed tiger might have gotten them. So God gave us this wonderful, wonderful built-in alarm system. And that it's located in the the oldest part of our brain, the, the, what they call that reptilian brain. And it's sort of at the base of the brain. And there's a, 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 mod, a nodule there, and it's called the amygdala and the amygdala is like a, a burglar alarm and instead of connecting to windows and doors it connects to your five senses you know sight hearing uh, speech uh, feeling uh, tasting and what happens is is that amygdala that alarm system is constantly monitoring any breach in any one of those five areas that could warn us that there was a saber-toothed tiger in the neighborhood, you know, and right. we better stay inside. And and that and what happens is when that amygdala recognizes the fear, it immediately in in, in, the, in nanoseconds warns the body, and it sends out a, a hormone, a bath of hormones, really, and the number one being um, adrenaline. And we all know what adrenaline does. And so what happens to our body is that our heart beats faster, so it gets blood to all the extremities. Uh, our mouth will probably dry up. Uh, our breathing increases because we need more oxygen to mix with the sugars in our blood to give us energy. And do you know that empty feeling we feel when we experience fear, we feel it in our gut? Yep. That's it's that's physiological. That there's something really, really happening. What is happening is the amygdala tells the or maybe it tells another part of the brain which tells the the uh gastro the gastro uh I should know this because the my GI <laughs> But it tells the it tells the gut, it tells your intestinal tract and your stomach to shut down temporarily and transfer the blood to your arms, to your legs, to all of your muscles, because you are in what's called the, uh, you know, fee, the flea or fight syndrome. You are either going to run away from danger, or you're going to stand and hold your ground and you're going to fight. That's great if we're walking down a dark street and we see somebody coming towards us and, and under the, the, the street light we see a glint in their hands and it might be a knife and it warns us, turn around, go the other way. But when somebody says to us, or if I say to you, Irene, you know, I've got a tremendous opportunity. I've got an area that I think you'd be absolutely great in. And you're sort of excited. And then I tell you, but your body tells you differently. Your mind tells you differently. And it says, oh, Irene, don't, don't even go there. I mean, you know, it's talking to you, and it's using your name, and it sounds like your voice, and it's telling you of all the terrible things that can happen to you. Yep. And so instead of taking advantage of the opportunity, you turn away. And whenever 
fear wins. That's a classic example of fear winning. When fear wins, you lose. It's as simple as that. Every time, and on that note, and I want everybody to hold the thought, but it's time for us to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Michael Luckman, saying stay tuned. We'll be back to talk about fear more, so stay with us. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected everyone has a belief system that they stand by it's comfortable and safe if you believe that a hot stove will burn you you won't touch it sometimes beliefs like this are practical but some belief systems may be protecting you a little too much these are the ones that might be holding you back there's a secret to changing your belief system and by doing so achieve goals and live a happier better life Start by tuning in to Subconscious Beliefs with Dr. Hein Lambrix, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you where you want to be in life? Are you experiencing the happiness that you're entitled to? How'd you like to improve your life and well-being? Take a weekly break to listen to Change Your Mind, Change Your Life with your hosts, Jim and Lynn Swearingen. You'll learn how hypnosis can truly help you rewrite the chapters of your life. You'll also learn to change perceptions of what hypnosis is and what it isn't. Be sure to listen every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is... Michael Luckman, we're talking about overpowering fear and, you know, the, the thought that we both want to leave you with in this first little segment about fear is that whether it's real or imagined, the subconscious mind does not know the difference and is going to react as if it's real. And so, you know, if you're experiencing symptoms from your fear and worry, it's because your mind does not know the difference. Michael, you have an, a, a wonderful blog, a wonderful newsletter. Your book is amazing. You know, 
while we have everybody listening, I want you to be able to tell them how to find you, how to get your book, tell them about your newsletter, your CDs that you have to offer because they're all outstanding. Great. Well, I would love to, Irene. Well, to get a hold of me, uh, my website is overpoweringfear.com. Or you can reach me at michael-luckman.com. They both go to the same place. Now, I want to stress that I use the word and the title of my book is Overpowering Fear as opposed to Overcoming Fear. Overcoming Fear says that if you don't overcome it, you're a failure. And you don't have to necessarily overcome a fear. You just cannot let it stop you, and that's what I talk about, just overpowering the fear. It's okay if you still feel a little of the fear. There's nothing wrong with that. A little fear often sharpens the senses, but you just don't want fear to stop you. And it and makes as, you prepare. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and so they can reach me at overpoweringfear.com. I blog every day. Uh, and if they want to go to overpoweringfear.com, there is a place where they can just put their name and their email address in, and they will be added to my uh, email list so that every day uh, through constant contact, there will be a blog and there will be another quote that I always put in and where they can find other things. But when they register on my website, they will get an email back with a link to three uh, MP3 files, they would be called. If they came out physically, they would be a CD. And each one is between 45 minutes and one hour long. And I talk about, like, victory over victimhood and overpowering fear. And uh, So if they go there, they will automatically get the links to those three MP3 files. They can download them. This is a set of, it'll be a set of 12 to 14 CDs that'll be available for purchase next year, but the first three I'm offering them free. And, and they're uh, very worthwhile. I mean, they're certainly worth much more than the price of free. And, yeah. <laughs> and they're certainly worth the time it takes to listen to them. Oh, I've listened to all three of them. They're outstanding. Well, thank you. Thank you. And how about your book? The book, Overpowering Fear, the, uh, the title is Overpowering Fear, Defeating the Number One Challenge in Sales and Life. Originally, when I started writing it, you know, I've been a salesman all my life, and I love salespeople, and it, it takes guts to be a salesperson because you're facing fear every day. But working with my editor and publisher, Nance Rosen at Pegasus Media Group, I, I, we realized that the book was really for everybody. And the book is available. It's online. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you've got an iPad, you can go to the Apple Store, and you can download it in electronic form. Or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can order it and get the physical delivery of the book. And it's sixteen ninety five, I think, on those sites. So easy to order. Or you can go to my website under book. You can click on that, and there's a link right to Amazon. And you can, you can even get it if you read the book review that I put on my blog today. So, you know, this is a book that you can hand down to your children because they're going to feel the same things you do. Um, it's, it's outstanding. There's not a lot that 
gives you as much information and the kind of helps that this book does. You, know, you, you talked about being proud to call yourself a salesman. You've done all kinds of things um, other than selling. Why does the title salesman still suit you? You own your own company now. You're the head of a, uh, it's a consulting firm, is it not? Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, the reason is I was sort of born into sales. Um, in the book, you probably know that, that, you know, we're all immigrants in this nation. We all came from someplace else, unless you were a Native American. And my, I talk in the book about my grandfather and his mother. They came from Russia. And his mother came over first. She was a widow, and she left all her children in Russia. She came over to the United States. She had a cousin in Chicago, so she moved to Chicago. And with what little money she had, she bought a horse and wagon. And this is around 19, somewhere between 1900 and 1910 or whatever. And she came over, and she went through the alleys of buying and selling used furniture. When she made enough money, she brought my grandfather over. He was the first, uh, the oldest child. And she brought him over, and he joined with her on that horse and wagon, buying and selling used furniture. Then they tried adding some new furniture to it. Then they opened up a storefront, and I know they sold it off, but my cousins at one time ran the largest furniture retailer in the Chicagoland area. So sales and selling and marketing have always been sort of in my blood, and and I loved it. You know, it's uh, it's it, you feel the same excitement as an athlete feels. You know, when they're getting up to bat or they're running back in football and they're going to get the, the ball. You know, you feel that excitement, and that's what sales is. But it's scary. It's scary because you have to go and you have to introduce yourself to people. You've never met before. Right. And that alone is very, very scary. Oh, I agree with you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, and it's interesting because some people think salesmen have a lesser kind of career or job. But if you look around, everything you have, you got through a salesperson. Well, that's it. That's it exactly. You know, it's a funny thing. People... Sales has a bad name. People sort of look down on salespeople, that people are salespeople because they can't do anything else. And maybe we do have people in sales that can't do anything else. But for the majority of people, they're salespeople, they're knowledgeable, they're experienced, they love the thrill of the chase. It's like modern-day hunting. But they feel fear every time they reach for the phone, every time they walk into a buyer's office. I mean, it's it, it's their arena, and and we wouldn't have everything if anybody if, if people are listening to you and they're sitting in their kitchen, they just look around the kitchen, or if they're sitting in their office, look around their office. Everything in your space around you was first. First of all, it was a, a created in somebody's mind because the idea for that product came from someplace. And it came from their mind. So everything starts with a thought. But then it became a product. And every product, from the push pins in your bulletin board to your computer, was 
sold to the retailer you bought it from by a salesperson. But first you had to sell somebody your idea or yes. we wouldn't have it in the first place. And in my and, book I talk about that and getting my ideas shot down. <laughs> so and and what's interesting is, yeah, I, I was on the front edge of buying some of those initial products. I remember when some of them came out, and I was so excited to get them. Uh, and it was interesting to hear how you went about getting those products into production so that you could sell them. Now, you you worked with some major toy companies, and uh, at that time, I had small children. Who are very smart, and I had to keep moving to keep up with them. So, yeah, you know, that's, what you uh, it's understandable. I know I've got grandchildren now, and when they were little, I would go in their toy chest, and you move one thing, and everything starts talking to you. Yes. And, uh, and, and back in 1975, I brought to market the first electronic toy ever. And there was actually a letter to the parents on the back because we were afraid that parents would think this was going to stop their children from learning math or learning anything in school. They were going to rely on computers and uh, handheld toys and things like that. And now they're amazing. My eight-year-old grandson teaches me more about the computer than I could. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's so true, that's so true. You know, one of the things we see under attack today is the work ethic, and you talk a little bit about this. According to Gallup, a third of workers are frustrated, you know, depressed, angry. We, we hear that now, even with the, with the workforce being um, so, so with jobs being so scarce. We still hear about those things. There's a lot of dissatisfaction with bosses and policies and all those things. So what can employees do now to improve how they feel and what they do on the job? Okay, that's a, a, a great question because it's sort of rampant. I happen to live in Silicon Valley, and the number one reason in Silicon Valley why people will leave jobs, and they're not leaving as many now because there's not a lot of jobs out there, but the number one reason when times were good that they left their job was that they could not tolerate or work with their manager and uh, the person immediately above them. And the problem is, and has always been, is what when I was in consulting industry, it, you, we used to call it the uh, the toolbox to briefcase syndrome, where oftentimes they uh, elevated the uh, the number one person in the job and they made him a manager. Well, they were good in their job; their skills were based on the on the job they were doing, but they have no management skills. And oftentimes, they're almost afraid of their employees. They put their employees down. When their employees bring up a new idea, they will either steal it if they think it's a good idea, or they will say to the employee, that's stupid, that'll never work. We can't do that. We don't have the, we don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the funds. We don't have this. We don't have that. And oftentimes, employees are beaten down so much that they become afraid to share ideas not only with their boss but with their coworkers you know and they don't want to take the risk of even bringing things up i believe that us companies all companies lose billions of dollars in revenue 
because of employee fear. When I was with a consulting firm, it was like an eye-opening experience. I was with an, uh, two international consulting firms in the 90s. And the an interesting thing about consulting firms, when they go into a company to help a company solve problems, where do they go? They go to the employees. They interview the employees. The employees have the answer for every challenge a business faces. But there's... Groucho Marx once said, I would never belong to any club that would have me as a member. (laughs) And and I often believe companies have that same mindset. I want you to hold that thought, Michael. We need to take a break, but I want to come back to that. Uh, This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Michael Luckman. We're talking about um, companies and how employees thrive or don't thrive. We'll be right back after this short break. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon and my guest, Michael Luckman, who wrote a book on overpowering fear. And before the break, we were talking about how new ideas come up through a company and how sometimes they don't get passed on up. Uh, talk a little bit more about that, Michael. I had to interrupt you right in the middle of your thought. No, that's okay, Irene. Uh, well... It, it was. It, you read my book and you saw what happened to me when I was working for, uh, which was one of the largest electronic firms at the time. They're still a huge company, and that was National Semiconductor. And how I was dealing with people that didn't understand the marketplace. And I came up with the first electronic toy when I went to work for them, and we got it out in the market. But 
we had it on TV for two weeks of a four-week campaign in 15 markets in the, across the country. And this was uh, the Monday of Thanksgiving week. And usually, before anything on TV takes off, it takes at least two weeks before you see some movement. So on Monday of Thanksgiving week, they called me in and they fired me because they told me that I wasted their money and the quiz kid, which was what the toy was called, will never take off. And I Friday, remember that, yeah. Yeah, Black Friday, <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving, they flew off the shelves. Nobody had enough. It was like out of stock that very same day. And they were flying them in from Asia to meet the demand. And that, of course, was the first toy to ever have an integrated circuit, a chip in there, the circuit board, electronics. And, of course, and, and, and two other products that I was working on was the cartridge video system, which later became the Atari system, and now we know it as Xbox and, you know, Sony's units and all the rest. And the other thing was the, uh, the engineers came to me when they were first able to develop sound on a chip, and I asked them, can it make the sounds of a musical scale? And they said, well, of course. I said, if we made a keyboard with this chip, just the keyboard, not the whole piano, or not the whole organ. Could it be done? And they said yes. And so we had another product. But I was dealing with people at the top who were very autocratic, didn't understand the marketplace, and immediately killed off both products. Now, National Semiconductor is a billion-dollar company. But if they had come up with those couple products that I came up with, they would have been a three to a five billion dollar a year company. Yep. And this people experience this every day of their work life. They're in companies where they have the ideas, but nobody wants to listen to them because there's some thought system in place that if these people were so smart, what are they doing working for our company? And and so what happens is is they they either kill off the idea, squash the employee who may go out and if they overpower their fears, they could start their own company and become billionaires, gazillionaires. But oftentimes they don't because they believe what their boss told them, that it's a stupid idea or something like that. And, and none of not. us want to hear that our idea is stupid. Pardon, I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch that. Nobody, none of us want to hear that our idea is stupid. So if you have a boss that continuously puts your ideas down like that, you'll never bring it up. Absolutely, absolutely. But I then, mean, it's like, you know, it's does like putting it get your head beaten? into the guillotine saying, go ahead. You know, nobody wants that. Right. Absolutely. You know, and, and if you can get it all the way up the line, it seems like that's almost a miracle. Exactly. There are, there are so many incredible ideas that companies have killed off that finally came to market because somebody believed in it and and believed it is and that's it. but when you think about it how many thousands hundreds of thousands millions of ideas never saw the light of day because somebody brought it up to their boss or they may, you know, friends do it. Family does it. You come up with a great idea and you go to your family and you tell them you're, you're going to quit your job and you're going to start this company and you're going to bring this product to market. And they say, what are you, stupid? 
Yeah, what are you going to do to feed your family? Why do you think anybody would buy that? So, (laughs) how are you going to manage? You can't do that. Yes, yes, you're a failure. Don't you know that? I have I have a couple sons who are incredibly creative, and they hear that a lot. You can't do that. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Because people are filtering it through their own lens. They see the impossibility in it, and your sons see that it is possible. Henry Ford, Ford Motor Company, used to say, the man he thinks he can, uh, the man who thinks he can, and the man who thinks he can't, are both right. Both right. How much does office politics enter into this refusal to adopt new ideas or uh, go into research on new products? It, it happens a whole lot. When I was at National, there were three consumer products that uh, areas that we had, and each one was headed by a marketing manager. I was the marketing manager for toys. There was a marketing manager for clocks and watches, and there was a marketing manager for calculators. Any time any of us would call a meeting, we had to invite the other marketing managers. Now, why I was sitting in, passing judgment on an idea for the calculator guy that I don't know anything about calculators. Why should my opinion count? Nor why should I have somebody come in who doesn't know the toy industry and, and, and rain on my parade, so to speak? It's I mean, question. office politics has a tremendous impact on people. And, 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 and how good the company is, how successful the company is. Like I said, I believe, and it, there has never been a study done, but I believe that most companies leave so much money on the table because they don't go to the very people and ask them for their opinion on what the products they should do or how to, how to streamline processes within the company or, you know, how to find more business or how to go into new markets. That's another big one. You know, a company, every company goes after the market that they were started in, that the grandpa started the company, you know, 75 years ago. Right. Have you seen very many typewriters around lately? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. How about buggy whips, you know, or, or the people who made the, uh, bodies for uh, carriages, you know. Uh, right. Th- the thing is, companies have to evolve. Every, practically every company out there, if they really, really looked at their product line, they would find, besides their primary market, they would find secondary and tertiary markets where they can market in. But they're afraid. The salespeople are afraid to go into those other markets because they don't know the jargon. They don't know how the market works. They don't know the buying cycles. They don't know what packaging they need. And so when the you know, sales manager says, well, why don't you call in this industry? Oh, no, no, no. They wouldn't want our product. Oh, okay. Let's kill that off. I mean, so it's, it's, the fear goes all the way amazing. up the line on that one. Mm-hmm. So how can you structure... Your workplace, uh, uh, your workplace, you have people working for you. How can you structure a workplace so that people are more 
open to the give and take of new ideas and new development and stepping out where it's a little more fearful. How, how can you change all this? Okay, well, I, I think it was Ben Franklin who said, a fish rots from the head down. Ooh. Okay, so to change a work environment, it must change from the top down. It must be open it, to create an open uh, opportunity, an open workplace, must take one respect. You respect the people that you hired. You hired them because you thought they were the best. If they're the best, bring out the best in them. And you do that by making sure that they have an audience for any ideas that they have. And you can't stop them, you know, in the mid-sentence, in the first sentence, and say, oh, we tried that 10 years ago. It was a total disaster. No, we don't want to go there. You know, that's a big, that's a big order for a lot of bosses who feel threatened by anybody who's smarter or more competent. And, but, and yet that's the kind of person we want to surround ourselves with. So how, how, can you work, do you work with bosses who? I, I work with corporations. I, I go into them. I can work with any corporation and see their processes and observe what's going on. And within probably the first week of working with them, I could define what their problem is. And it is because their bosses live with fear. Because their bosses are autocratic and shut them down and things like that. And so that's why I said, you know, you must start at the top of the organization. You know, if, if the, if the person at the top is like that rotten fish, you know, it, it starts from the head down. It, you must change the, the environment there to one of being open and seeking because all the answers to the a company's problems, the answers are with their employees. The answer is there. They're the people who are doing it on a day-in, day-out basis. They know why the production line is slow. They know who might be slowing it down. Is it the equipment? Is it the people? They know these are not stupid people you you hire. Listen to them. Give them the environment to speak up. Welcome their ideas. If it's not the perfect idea, you know, let them know, but let them down easy. Or say, you know, I don't think it'll work in this way because of blank, blank, blank. But if we can find a way around blank, 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 I think your idea might work. And, and um, now that, that employee oh. is, is, is charged, you know, they, they go out there and now they, they find out, they know the, the issues and they can work, find ways around them. And bring something to market that's probably very successful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's time absolutely. for us to take a break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Michael Luckman talking about overpowering fear. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
best-selling authors. Find tantalizing new books, learn the latest healthy living tips, and be inspired to coach yourself to success on Star Style. Be the star you are. Every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on World Talk Radio. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her health hero daughter, Heather Brittany, fire up the airwaves with upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thursdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Come play with us. Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Michael Luckman. Michael, there's two things that I really love about your book. One is the exercises in the back. Anybody can work through these, and I think they're very, very good. I worked a little bit with each one of them. I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but if this were an issue for me, I definitely would, and I could definitely get help from doing those exercises. There's no doubt about it. The other thing I love is your Luckman's Laws. You have laws in every single chapter that, you know, they're, they're common sense, but they're very interesting. Um, you know, one, you, have, you say, treat your boss like a prospect. You know, how do you recommend people go about that? It's a great law, treat your boss like a prospect. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, my mother used to always say you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Yep. And and your boss, think about your boss as being another fear-based person. They might be fearful of what their boss might think. Right. Because they want to move up the ladder. So when you're interacting with them, Treat them as, see, with a prospect, what you would do is, first of all, you would treat them with respect. You would watch them. You would understand them. And you would try to understand what their needs are. You'd ask them questions to find out what they need. And then once you find out what they need, then you offer them the solution. And this is the same way that you should, you know, if you're doing it with a prospect, with the the plan that you are going to sell them something, think of your your boss as a prospect. You're going to sell them something. You're going to sell them an idea. You're going to sell them something you're going to be working on. And so treat them just as you would a prospect, with respect, ask questions, find out their needs, find out their problems, and then offer solutions to their problems. You know, and it just struck me, you know, one of the questions we all want an answer to is what's in it for me? Don't you have to show the boss what's in it for him or her? 
Of course. Of course. What's in it I for mean, me? I mean, if we it... know that people are looking for what's in it for them, why not give them? I mean, you're working for the same company. I mean, your goals are pretty much the same. They're Absolutely. They're pretty much the company's goals. If you can make something better or if you've got an idea to improve a product or you've got an idea for a new market or a new product, you must sell it. And when selling, what's in it for me is always uppermost on the buyer's mind. Tell me what's in it for me. If, if, if I've already done it and it failed, it's, I don't want it. You know, unless, of course, it was years ago or you come up with something even better. But understand what their fears are. Understanding the history, maybe, of where those fears came from. And then go in and show them exactly what how you're going to solve this problem and how it's going to allay any fears that they uh, have and how it's going to make them look better to their boss. Absolutely. Here's one of my favorites of Luckman's Laws. The success you never achieve is typically waiting in the moment after you accept the belief that you cannot go on anymore and quit. Do <laughs> you want to comment on that one? <laughs> Ab- absolutely. All too often, we give up too soon. We let go of our dreams because somebody has told us that we can't achieve it. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have the talents necessary. We're just really not enough. You know, why do you think you can do it? I had somebody tell me, and it wasn't even a relative. It wasn't even a friend. It was somebody that was friends with my sister-in-law. And I was over there for dinner, and she said, and she said, well, what have you been doing lately? And I said, well, I've written a book, or I'm writing a book. She said, you? Writing a book? Why do you think anybody would even want to read what you have to say? Oh, man. Well, she needs to get your book. Yeah, and I said, and I had about two-thirds done, and I had it it in the binder, and I was holding the binder. You know, nothing to do with the other night's uh, debate. But I held up the binder, (laughs) and I said, I've got about two-thirds of it done. I think I can write a book. You know, and it's interesting. I was asked to write a book quite some years ago, and my mother-in-law said, you can't write a book. And that was the most motivating thing she could have said, because I got it out. I got it done. Because it it angered you, and anger was the strong emotion. (laughs) Yeah. But oftentimes, people, those often, the people closest to us are the ones that put us down, tell us we can't do it. And it starts when we are little, it starts when we're born. Yeah. You know, all these negative things somebody has told us, and our ego has filed it away, and we don't even need those people around. You know, after your mother-in-law, if she's living, wonderful, God, you know, it's wonderful. But even if she's passed, and you go sit down to write a book, the first thing you're going to think of is your mother-in-law, and you're going to hear the words, "What do you? why do you think you can write a book? Yeah, you, you can't, can't do that. Yes. You can't do that. We are amazing people as human beings. We can do so much, but often we give up because somebody told us we can't do it. 
Right. And Mike, that's we're absolutely right up not to the true. end of the show. Yeah. Um, what's the final thought you'd like to leave with the listeners today? Well, that they were created by God and they were created perfect. And they were created for, in a law, in uh, uh, a course in miracles, it says there's a chapter called Littleness versus Magnitude. And I copied that, uh, I didn't copy, I'm sorry, that's, that's plagiarism. I wrote a, a <laughs> uh, copied the name of a chapter in my book called Littleness versus Magnitude, and then I changed magnitude to greatness. And what I want to leave your listeners with is that each and every one of them was born for greatness. Absolutely. And somebody told them that they could never reach it, and they had to remain little, mediocre, average. But God didn't create you for being mediocre. He created you for greatness. And it's inherent in all of us. In fact, tomorrow's law, uh, blog is another law of attraction. I said not a law of attraction. I'm sorry, Luckman's Law. And it says you wouldn't be friends with somebody who would always put you down. Why do you do it to yourself? Oh, what a lovely thought. And that will be on my website in- tomorrow. Next week's guest is Denise DeMaris, who will be talking about healing from the heart. Michael, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I hope the listeners enjoyed hearing how we can overpower fear as much as I did. Well, thank you very much, Irene. I, uh, this was a pleasure to be on your show, and any time you want to invite me back, I, I hope you would. <laughs> Well, I think fear is a big enough topic. We could have you back again and not cover any of the same material. Probably not. (laughs) This is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show and my guest, Michael Luckman, saying thank you for being with us today, and I encourage you to come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.